Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I know I don't have to tell you guys that it's taking me three tries to do the opening of this podcast, but it's taking me three tries to do the opening of this damn podcast. On the first try, I said that this is a you-know-what presentation, which of course is wrong. It's a sports ethos presentation now. And on the second one, I don't know what I said. I said like four words of straight gibberish right out of the chute. But this one, we're going to get it. And even if I don't, we're going anyway. Welcome in to Fantasy NBA Today. This is your Tuesday edition. Happy uh, day after Valentine's Day, because I think I forgot to say anything about it yesterday. Valentine's Day is my mother's birthday, so happy belated birthday to Evelyn Bespris, Mama Bez. She ain't listening to a fantasy basketball pod. Doesn't matter. Uh, we got a nice big Monday to recap. Nine-game card. Plenty of stuff going down. We had some things we were watching tightly, closely. Some arrows pointed up, some arrows pointed down. You guys know the drill. A uh, little bits of news intermingled among them. And we'll basically just cover that as we roll through the games. This is going to be a more traditional episode of Fantasy NBA Today. Detroit was in Washington and lost. Wizards still found enough in the tank to take care of the bottom-feeding Pistons. A lot to pay attention to in this game, although I didn't have particularly high hopes for what we'd find in this ballgame, meaning we were going to be paying attention to what Marvin Bagley's job was going to be in Detroit which, by the way, appears to be backing up Isaiah Stewart for now. We were going to be paying attention to if anyone on the Wizards was going to step into this massive void. And the answer is no, not really. Uh, Daniel Gafford was not back yet. Thomas Bryant still played but 20 minutes. Denny Avdia had 15 rebounds. He's worth keeping an eye on just because he does have a little bit of that across-the-board stuff, but he's so hesitant to take shots on offense. That's the thing that could put him up and over the edge. A little more reliability on the offensive side, because you know he's going to get a handful of rebounds. This is this is a high-water mark in that one, to be sure. He's going to get a handful of assists, because he's just sort of on the floor. Good defender, so you'll see him tumble into steals. But if you don't have consistent offensive usage, it's very hard to maintain that floor. It can fall out quickly. KCP's another guy I keep thinking, well, maybe he'll get something going on. He took 15 shots in this ballgame, which is something, but I, you know, there's not enough there for me to rely on it anyway. Ish Smith, Aul Neto, smack dab in the middle of a nice little 27-21-ish minute timeshare, 28-20, whatever you want to call it. Corey Kispert, who we talked about as maybe more of a points league option, he only got nine shots in 33 minutes. It's really nothing. It's Kuzma. And when Porzingis comes back, it's Porzingis. That's it right now. At least for the moment, Marvin Bagley is not an ad. I don't know that he ever will be. He, the only way he gets into the mix is on the points league side as well, presuming again. When I say points league, I generally mean... It's like a fast way of saying... If your league devalues or de-emphasizes percentages and turnovers, it doesn't really matter as much. Maybe it matters a little bit, but not as much. He has issues with those, two of those three things, field goal and free throw percent. Turnover is probably not a big deal for him. 
Sadiq Bay still kind of rolling along, though. Give him credit. Even with Cade Cunningham back, he's continued to, to grab life by the horns. And then Jeremy Grant, I don't know, feels like he's going to languish out there. I don't know what's going to happen to him. They may have to shut him down early. It kind of sucks. We wish he was getting traded, but he didn't. So what did we learn? There, something, but nothing actionable. Unless you consider doing nothing in action, which I guess it is. In action. Oklahoma City beat New York in overtime. God, I was so close to fading the Knicks in this game. This is the Knicks coming home off a long, disastrous West Coast trip. If they had any success at all on that road trip, I would have faded the Knicks. Because that first game back home is always a pisser. Bad defense, dooming New York in this one. They out-rebounded the Thunder by a lot. Uh, but they let OKC shoot 50%. Trey Mann at 30 points. Very narrow fantasy line. I know it's one of the better ones of the night. But if you play 32 minutes, two rebounds, one assist, I mean, that's really all you need to know. It means if he's not white hot from the field, he's not going to post value. Josh Giddy, good to go. Uh, Darius Baisley, he's been playing well lately. And certainly with Dort and Shea out, you figured he would get enough to, to hang on there. The, the sad story in all of this is that Isaiah Roby's return has rendered Alexei Pokushevsky pretty much unrosterable again. Not getting enough minutes. He's borderline even when he is getting minutes because his percentages stink. And if he's not out there long enough to do anything, to get rebounds, points, threes, steals, blocks, that whole deal, then, yeah, you can pretty much move on if you're not in a dynasty league. I'm not starting man. I will start I will start Baisley uh, and then certainly Giddy as well. And if Dort comes back, I would throw him into the lineup for New York. You might remember on yesterday's podcast, I mentioned how Evan Fournier had a bad game on Sunday or is that Saturday? I think it was Saturday, but I wasn't worried about it because the usage was there. The playing time was there. And sure enough, he bounced right back. Big ball game here. Fournier's a go. Mitchell Robinson was questionable. He came in and he had a great ball game again. It took him the whole damn year. Not the whole year, I guess. We're not done yet, but Mitchell Robinson has finally regained some of whatever that form was from a couple of seasons back. I, you know, I, I, I couldn't for the life of me figure out why it's taken this long. It was whether it's injury or what, but if you go back to basically, I guess kind of the end of January, you had that 9.13 rebound game. And then he came back with the eight block game to start February. And he's just been cooking ever since with the exception of the game against Portland, where he got hurt part way. The free throws have been a disaster for him. And that's the thing holding him back. He's shooting like 40% on a pretty good volume over that stretch. But boy, if you, even, you know, the last couple of weeks for Mitrob, he's a top 50 player. Thanks to the big block numbers, and I hope they continue. Quentin Grimes, another good game filling in for R.J. Barrett. Although, uh, you know, with the Knicks losing, it's not like he's going to take that job away from R.J. Kemba Walker, I mean, this is about as much as he's going to do on a given night. He's a drop. Grimes, I suppose, is streamable. I don't have a good feel for how long Barrett's going to be out, but if it's going to be for any additional games, you probably have to roll with Grimes. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. 
your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Think of the Simpsons episode, grimy. Uh, Brooklyn beat Sacramento 109-85. This, was, this line screamed weird right from the second you looked at it. It was the Kings' favorite by like three on the road. That's effectively saying the Kings are like a six-point neutral site favorite over the Nets. Kings are not a six-point neutral site favorite over anyone in the NBA. Right off the bat, you knew that line was a disaster. And sure enough, the Kings came out and laid a most serious egg. A most grave egg was laid. So you can kind of throw out the stuff on the Kings' side. Said on yesterday's podcast, I didn't think that any of the wings would be worth rostering. I continue to feel that way. De'Aaron Fox, Harrison Barnes, Demonis Sabonis, those are the only three guys I'm rolling with. And even of those, only one had a decent ball game here. Meanwhile, on the Brooklyn side, we got our first look at the Nets without anybody of the superstar ilk, but with a handful of the other guys involved. And certainly in the short term, Seth Curry is a massive winner here. Uh, That'll change as Kevin Durant comes back. It'll change on road games where Kyrie Irving is in the mix. It'll change once Ben Simmons comes around, although he's more of an orchestrator than an actual scorer. Uh, So there's still a lot left to change in Brooklyn and that's why you're not racing out and picking up Bruce Brown, who had a gigantic ball game, but you don't need to worry about it. Or Patty Mills, who didn't have a good game, but you don't need to worry about it. The one thing that does not appear all that subject to change, and still Nick Claxton is floating around out there, but Andre Drummond started and played 24 of the center minutes. LaMarcus Aldridge came off the bench for 19 center minutes. And as it turned out, both guys ended up with pretty good fantasy games tonight. You trust Drummond more simply because he played more minutes. When Claxton comes back, I don't know what exactly changes. It feels like there's going to be a bit of a matchup situation developing. I don't think Drummond plays more than about 24 minutes per game, but it's possible that against bigger front courts, he might get up into the higher, mid to high 20s. This is sort of low mid. So Drummond feels relatively safe, at least for now. Aldridge... Had a really nice game, but only 19 minutes. You can't, you really can't rely on him to go 19-8 in a block in 19 minutes a game. If you get him into the low 20s, he could hit that top 100 mark. Under 20 minutes is asking too much. So no, I'm not racing out to pick up Aldridge, despite the fact that he actually had a relatively decent ball game. Portland went into Milwaukee and beat him. This is... So, first of all, Portland's playing really well right now. Uh, credit to the Blazers. Uh, this happens sometimes, and you get rid of a bunch of pieces, and all that's left are guys that just desperately want to play for their NBA careers, for contracts, whatever it is, to just sort of show the world that they're not to be trifled with, to be rolled over. And they're doing that. And admittedly, the Bucks got cute here. They rested Giannis. I don't know. They said he had some ailment, but they rested Giannis. And the other guys just weren't ready 
for the energy the Blazers brought in this game. Portland out-rebounded Milwaukee 58-43, to and it wasn't like one team was shooting all that much better than the other. It's just a maximum effort situation. Nurkic, Winslow, and Watford all had double-digit rebounds on the Portland side. Josh Hart had a great game. Anthony Simons had a great game. Nurk had a great game. Winslow had a really good game, but missed two free throws. We're not going to nitpick here because 13, 10, and 4, two steals, a block, and a three-pointer. That's all really good. But, I mean, this is what we talked about. Can the percentages for Winslow hang in there long enough to get us through the rest of the year? I'm willing to bank on yes. Hey, we got new information for you guys from our good buddies at expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Hey, uh, did you know that using the internet without ExpressVPN is like checking in your bags at the airport without a lock? You think your stuff is kept private, but you never know who's going through your crap. I don't know what you guys pack in your, your suitcase. For me, uh, the thing that I really didn't want people touching was broadcast equipment, oddly enough. I used to travel, uh with broadcast equipment regularly. This was way back. It was like 2011 when I was doing a podcast for pregame.com. Uh, I had to travel with my mixer, and I don't know what's happening to that stuff. I tried to do it in carry-on, but I got a lot of sideways looks and a lot of random pat-downs with, with big electronics in my carry-on bag. It all ended up fine. Um, but I don't know. Think about your bag. What do you not want somebody rifling through after you check it? That's what you're doing with the internet. You're just floating through without a lock. When you go online without a VPN, ISPs can see every single website you visit. They can then legally sell that information without your consent to ad companies, tech giants, whoever, and then they use that data to target you. So this is like somebody going through your suitcase, finding your broadcast equipment, and then hounding you, like coming up, coming to your door every day and trying to sell you a microphone. But think about that in a much more lewd and lascivious manner. Like if somebody came to my door with a microphone, I'd be like, this is weird, but I guess I'm not all that creeped out. But think about something you might be traveling with. What about medicines? What if somebody knew what medicines you were taking and they came to your door? That's messed up. Why should you use ExpressVPN? Because then you can browse anonymously. When you use expressvpn.com slash hoopball, ISPs can't see your activity. Your identity is protected by a secure VPN server. Your data is encrypted. It's easy to use. You fire up the app, you click one button, and it works on all of your devices, phones, laptops, even routers. You can install it on a router. So everyone who shares your Wi-Fi could be protected. That's pretty damn cool. Then you don't need to run it on each individual machine. I use expressvpn.com to protect my privacy, and to allow me to stream videos without people knowing what I'm watching. So secure your online activity by visiting our special link, expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Today, yes, the old name, expressvpn.com slash hoopball, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. Get three extra months free on your 12-month subscription. 15 months for the price of 12. ExpressVPN. Check them out. I don't think anybody's getting rested for Portland here immediately either. They will at some point. But right now, they're just kind of having fun. Just screwing off and having fun. 
I was hoping to get a read on Grayson Allen on the Milwaukee side because Pat Connaughton, we got our timeline on him. He's out for about four weeks, which actually isn't all that bad considering he broke a finger. But the question was, is Grayson Allen going to get 10 shots or more? With 10 shots or more, he probably has nine category 12 team value. And here he got 12 shots up and sure enough, 14 points, four three-pointers, two steals. That'll get it done. But no Giannis. You can't really handicap anyone on the Bucks when their most important player is out. Everything shifts, and a big shift. A lot gets dumped on Holiday and Middleton, but a lot also falls to Bobby Portis, Grayson Allen. We saw Jordan Nwora take 14 shots off the bench. Serge Ibaka played 31 minutes in his Bucks debut. That ain't happening anytime soon, again. So no, you're not worried about it yet. I mean, if you want to pick up Allen, I'm okay with it. He's, he's a very boring fantasy player. He's the perfect, like, Dan Vespers, fill-out-your-roster, 10th, 11th guy type. There's no upside, none what, whatsoever, but there's also very little downside. He's a narrow-band kind of fantasy player. High floor, low ceiling. He'll slip into between, you know, 135 and 90. That's a pretty narrow band. I know it sounds like a wide one. You know, those 45 slots are pretty, pretty small. Chicago, behind DeMar DeRozan, throwing 40 up on the board, came back and beat San Antonio 120-109. DeMar's been on a ridiculous tear. His scoring, and, you know, I guess we shouldn't be too blown away because Levine is out, and Levine was out previously, and Lonzo went out. And so DeMar's like, look, I'll just go get you guys a bunch of points. And he's pushed himself back up to number 21 on the year overall on a per-game basis. And over the last two weeks, he's number three. Averaging 35.5 points per game over the last month, DeMar's number four. By the way, the three players in front of him, Jokic, Embiid, DeJounte Murray. But DeMar, number four over the last month, 33.4 points per game. This is, by the way, without shooting three-pointers. Five and a half rebounds, six assists, a steal, 57% high-volume field goal number, 88% high-volume free throw. He's doing it with points, and the two percentages, basically, the assists are fine. But that's pretty remarkable how powerful he's been in those three categories over the last month of basketball. I think I need to do something about that on Twitter, don't I? Yeah, probably. Kobe White, he's in for a good run here with Zach Levine out. Stream away. Io Desunmu, stream away. Javante Green was the one I was worried about. I talked about it on yesterday's podcast. Will there be enough left over? And the answer was no in this one. He needs steals and blocks and he got one steal because he's not going to many three-pointers the fact that he even hit one was a positive you just i don't think you can count on that every night oh devin Vassell finally had a slow ball game i wouldn't worry about it the bumps in uh, along the way of a young player who's been thrust into a starting job and you know for stretches is having to deal with demar Rosen at times not not a ton the Spurs are just, you know, this just wasn't a game that they played all that well. Even DeJounte Murray was only fine in this game. Doug McDermott actually had a pretty good one, but, you know, who cares? Not me. Freddie Van Vliet, not surprisingly, left this Raptors-New Orleans game. It was a blowout. His knee was sore. I mean, I, I just hate the sound of that. I know that if this game was closer, he probably finishes it out, just plays the rest of the way, another five, six minutes, whatever it would have been. But the fact that he's this close nightly to just saying, meh, Game's getting away. My knee hurts. Why? Why is this happening right now? 
They're almost definitely, almost, nothing is for certain in this world, but there is almost definitely a brief rest coming for a couple of Raptors. The only reason you haven't seen it is because right now, they're at the top of the play-in tournament. They're the seven seed. Game and half up on the Nets. How does that work again? I think they play the Nets. If the if it ended now, seven plays eight. Whichever of those teams wins gets the seven seed, and then whichever of those teams loses plays the winner of nine ten. So it's kind of like a two to win one situation. And so the Raptors, the Celtics, they're desperately trying to make sure they don't have to deal with the two to win one. The Nets are also going to be in there. It's going to be tough in the East. There's there's a lot of parity in that top eight, really, in the Eastern Conference. And then, sorry, Hornets, you're kind of the cutoff for me. They belong in the play-in, and they're better than the Hawks. But, you know, they look down behind those teams, Wizards, Knicks, Pacers, Magic. But yeah, it, 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 the worm turns quick. What happened in this game? Hard to say. Raptors were just terrible. They shot 30%. You're not going to win when you shoot 30%. Even though they didn't turn the ball over, kudos to Toronto. They got shots up every time. They were just horrible ones. Did we learn anything from this game? Well, Thad played. Got his first 12 minutes as a Raptor. Four points, four boards, an assist, and a steal. It's a good start. I don't think you need to add him based on that. Chris Boucher got a little garbage time at 15 and 6, mostly at the free throw line. I'm still hanging on there a little bit longer. And on the New Orleans side, Jackson A's 20 minutes... Played better in his 20 minutes in this ballgame, but 20 isn't enough, unfortunately. Devontae Graham, talked about him, he's a drop. Herb Jones was a little quieter, he's a hold. McCollum looked good. Ingram went full point guard style. JV just annihilated the Raptors' front court. Sorry. Pascal Siakam, you can't deal with Jonas Valanciunas. You gotta do something a little different. You gotta beat him at the other end, which he didn't really do either. That's big time from JV. Punished him. They're a half game back of the Blazers somehow for that 10 seed. You've got to think that at some point Portland runs out of gas. Pelicans look like the team that won't. They may have the it's crazy play-in tournament in the West. It'd be Lakers and then Pelicans or Blazers. Yeesh. I don't want to be in that game. On either side. Everything to lose for the Lakers. And then on the other side, you got to deal with the Lakers? I don't know. You got to deal with LeBron? In a play-in game, I know they're terrible, but probably figured you'd have a slightly better or maybe a lesser superstar on the other team. Whatever. No real ads or drops, I think, other than if you want to punt on Hayes. I think we've probably seen enough now to say, yeah, you can probably move on. Rudy Gobert came back, got ejected couple of technical fouls in this one one was on a foul i don't i think the other one might have just been yelling at an official regardless 22 minutes he's back he's ready to go hassan whiteside hanging on to value here for one more ball game thanks to the gobert ejection and just the fact that they're easing him back in but rudy looked fine 14 and 7 two assists a block seven out of eight shooting you know he'll be rudy by maybe not the next game but certainly the one after that which i guess is looking past the all-star break isn't it or do they have three this week doesn't matter for our purposes we're just saying, you got your star center back. Jazz are going to look a bit more like themselves again. Um, I'm saddened to say that Eric Gordon is playing again, which means that our good buddy Garrison Matthews is likely to not get to do nearly as much. This is a relatively ugly game for Houston all the way around. Gordon had one of the better lines 
And this is, I mean, this reminds me of the Houston Lions from earlier in the year where I don't know that you could trust almost anyone on the team. Alperin Sengun, he's back to playing lowly backup minutes. They haven't turned him loose. You know, I listen, when we were like two weeks out from the trade deadline, I said, sure, stash him now. But I want to use like the, is this your king type thing. People stashed this dude for four months to get to this point. And it's still not paying off. Don't stash from the first day of the season. Nothing is set in stone. You've basically TNT'd. You set a stick of dynamite on a roster slot in your team the whole year, and it's not turning into anything yet. I dropped him in a couple places where I had stashed for that last week. It doesn't look like they're about to just magically give him starting minutes. Too many bodies. And then with the fact that Gordon's still around, I, I do think eventually they shut him down, but I don't know when that's going to be. Dennis Schroeder made his Rockets debut, played 18 minutes. I don't see that number going up all that much unless Kevin Porter Jr. has to miss some time, which you know may or may not happen. It's a mess. Christian Wood, you can probably start. That's maybe it. I do still think Jalen Green slowly trends up between now and the end of the year, but even that one, you're sort of saying, all right, I'm, like, I'm willing to take some two weeks of clunky lines or three or four, whatever it is, and just hope it's clicking by the time the playoffs come around. But do not stash from the beginning of the season. You're being punished for it now. And I should clarify, this is not like a weird shengun only rant. I'm talking about anyone. I'm talking about injured players, which is actually the easiest one for me to make this statement about. Do not stash injured players to start the year. It often doesn't work out. I think an example of it working out this year is Pascal Siakam, who's come back and and he's actually played quite well as the season's worked its way on. But for the most part, when you have guys at the beginning of the year that are hurt or are, you know, all-star break level stashes, those don't have a high enough hit rate to balance out what they're doing to your roster. Honestly, it's actually easier in a lot of leagues to stash an injured player because at least you have an IL slot to begin the season. Maybe someone's only out for two or three weeks. Longer than that, I just I don't see how you do it at the beginning of the year in particular. Stash time is... I mean, if you're looking at the All-Star break, it's January. Don't go earlier than that. I don't know how to properly quantify what removing a roster spot from your team does to a, a, a fantasy team. But it's actually a really big deal. You can't, like, say, oh, well, it costs you this many games because there's no... It's different for every season, depending on how your team is doing, how injured your team gets, how badly you need that roster spot. A healthy stash of a guy who's, you know, hanging out near... I guess we have to use Sengun again this season, but outside the top 200, that's crushing you. Like, you'd have been far better off starting, uh, I don't know, who are guys that are in, like, the 190 range? Eric Bledsoe, all year, has actually been better for your fantasy team than stashing Alper and Sengun. Try to put that in context in your brain. You guys are going to kill me for this. I'm fully aware of it. I, I know that that's what's coming. I'm, I'm completely aware that stashing is 
super fun, and everybody wants to be sort of uh, ahead on this type of stuff from a... Who was I talking to? Was I talking to Josh? I don't remember who we were talking to on the show, but I said something like, wouldn't it be the easy call for a fantasy analyst to just always go for the massive home run hack? And he was like, I can't think about it like that. And I was like, okay, that's fine. We don't need to get into that. And he's right. Like, that shouldn't be something that's on your mind. But, I don't know. Uh, Sometimes I like to sort of do the deep thoughts thing on the fantasy side. And one of the deep thoughts I've had is you could make quite a name for yourself as a fantasy analyst by just taking exclusively home run hacks on social media. And when one hits, you celebrate like crazy. And some people are going to remember the ones that miss, but a lot of people are going to see, oh, this is the guy who called so-and-so before anybody else. I don't know that there are any analysts out there that actually function like that. But kind of from a marketing standpoint, that's the easy path. Just keep lobbing them out there and see what lands. But what's harder and what we try to do and why I have a rant like this on a show like today where, you know, not a ton going on is because it makes your fantasy teams better. It's going to make you a better fantasy player in the long run to not blow a roster slot for four months, even if every once in a while it works. And it might still on this one. Again, I'm not trying to say this is exclusively about Alper and Shengun. He might still see more minutes down the stretch, but it looked like they were giving it to him last week, and then they yanked it away. The takeaway. A reminder, as always, check out our buddies at ThriveFantasy.com and the Thrive Fantasy app. Prop up. Lots of you listeners are winning at ThriveFantasy.com. It's so easy, so fun to really hone in on the key players on a card on a given night. What do you think Julius Randle's going to do tonight? Cool. There's your prop. What do you think Alec Burks is going to do tonight? Nah, he's not on the board for you. You don't have to worry about that. Aaron Wiggins, probably don't need to worry about that. De'Aaron Fox, yeah. Demonis Sabonis, sure. Thrive Fantasy allows you to focus on the superstars when you're making your over and under calls. Put together the best over-under prop call lineup. Pick 10 out of 20, win money. And if you deposit with our code, which, by the way, is a special offer, You can't get that just poking around on the website by yourself. Use the promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S, when you sign up, put in just a $10 deposit. That's all you got to do to start and get a deposit match on that, extra $10 in your account. And this is the special part, two $20 contest entry vouchers. Most codes don't come with that. That's special for Sports Ethos and our partnership with Thrive Fantasy. So sign up today. Promo code is ETHOS. ThriveFantasy.com. Follow our DFS team for calls on these types of things. You can win money. You get so many opportunities with just that quick $10 deposit. You're going to love it. I promise you're going to have the time of your life. And what's the worst thing that happens? You lose your 10 bucks that we probably won for you for free over at MyBookie anyway. All right, let's finish up the Monday card. Give you guys a slightly shorter episode today if you so choose. Oh, hey, um... No, you know what? Let's let, yeah. I, I just I haven't bugged you guys to do a rating and review type thing on the podcast in a long time. And also, there's new stuff from Manscaped, so don't let me forget to to tell you guys about that in just a minute. Uh, 
Denver beat Orlando 121-111. Yes, I feel like a jackass on yesterday's show for doing a segment on holding Mo Bamba. I actually still believe you should hold Mo Bamba. This is a horrible game. He got completely owned by Nikola Jokic. Uh, Magic went a little bit smaller. See if they could fight their way back into the ballgame. It worked a little bit, actually. Nuggets kind of took their foot off the gas. And, and, you know, Jokic didn't have his best offensive game. Let's not worry too much about that part of things. You're holding on to Bomba. I know this is a horrible game. This is going to be the one that tries you guys the most. But hang on. Hang on to Cole Anthony. Tough game for him as well. But the Magic lately... First of all, Gary Harris had a bigger one in this one. But that's not going to stick with Jalen Suggs around. It's not consistent enough. Harris is a guy you can probably move on from, barring, you know, I haven't looked down the line, if the Magic have like a three games and four nights type of thing, or a four and five, or whatever it happens, then maybe you give a guy like Harris a look. But as a consistent rest-of-season producer, he's not there. Chuma Okiki is. The steals and the blocks, they're hanging in there. His minutes have continued to trend up as he's gotten right this year. So Chuma, stick with it. Franz Wagner, stick with it. Wendell Carter Jr., that's an easy one. And then Jalen Suggs, he really does kind of profile as uh, the stash that might work out. And I say that because he has uh, an athleticism that some of the other stashes don't have. And he has the keys to the car that a lot of the other stashes don't have. They're putting the ball in his hands fairly regularly. And for, for better or worse, the turnovers are high. The field goal percent, free throw percent, all that stuff is going to be a mess. He doesn't take many three-pointers yet. But you can see the stuff coming together. And because of all the usage, because of all the playing time, because of the athleticism, there's a gear that's going to click, and all of a sudden things are going to start looking pretty good. So Suggs is probably my favorite of the young end-of-season stash guys. I give a, a, a system, all systems go there in head-to-head. Roto, you can probably, you know, probably still keep him on your bench because of all the things that are dragging you down in Roto, but he's not that far away there either. If you can buy on Jalen Suggs, I think I would probably do it, which I know is a weird thing for Dan to say. And so I that I want you guys to internalize that also. To hear me talk about a young player in that way means I must be fairly confident in it. And watching him play, watching him move, there's good stuff is going to happen. But also... You know, he's not taking a lot of jump shots. So that field goal percent is going to trend up just as he sort of understands what scoring around NBA players means. This one is pointing, all the arrows are pointing to this is going to get better and somewhat quickly. The question, I guess, is will it happen in the next, like, three weeks? Because a lot of your playoffs are about to start. A lot of all of our playoffs are about to start. That I don't know the answer to. It's going to happen between now and the end of the year. There's going to be a pretty good run for him. I just don't know if it's going to be quite soon enough. I still think he's a guy that you'd take the plunge on. Nuggets are annoying. Jokic and Barton, those are the only ones that I'm trotting out there anyway. And then I almost bet the Clippers. feel pretty dumb that I didn't pull the trigger on that one. This is a total letdown game for the Warriors after Klay Thompson went crazy in the previous one against the Lakers. Steph was good. Everybody else was bad. I sort of in passing mentioned Jonathan Kaminga as a potential stream candidate. After doing some extra digging, no. I'm very much not in on the Kaminga stream. I know he's starting. I know he's playing enough minutes to be potentially a fantasy value, but I'm not seeing the other things that need to come in into play. Rebounds are not high enough in general. The steals and blocks are fine, but not great. The percentages are generally pretty bad, although they were fine in this ballgame. So I'm out on that. 
So for me right now on the Warriors, it's Steph and Clay. That's it. I don't trust anybody else on that team. Do you guys? I guess Jordan Poole is not that far off, but mm, kind of would prefer to do the Poole thing on games that Clay. Oh, Wiggins. Sorry, Andrew Wiggins too. Whoops. Clippers are their own. Yeah, you heard the deep sigh as we get into the Clippers discussion. I'll be honest with you guys. I don't know what the hell they're going to do on a night-to-night basis. Not a clue. Not a clue. Uh, Nick Batum got better in this one, but he's been hit or miss, especially on the minutes front, and I think that has to do with just his body more than anything else. Zubats has been pretty steadily decent throughout all of this mess, so he's good to go. And then the question mark guys, well, Batum is a question mark guy, but I'm erring on the side of not starting him just because the minutes haven't been consistent enough. The other question mark guys are Reggie Jackson, Terrence Mann, and Marcus Morris. Morris is out for me. He's not doing enough besides just shooting three-pointers. Sorry, not enough going on there. Reggie Jackson, I think, is in right now. We're seeing him handle ball distribution, which you guys might remember when they ruled Paul George out super long-term. I said, hey, Reggie Jackson, like when George missed a couple of weeks before when he was resting the elbow, before we really knew what was going on, Reggie got a bunch of assists, he actually pushed his way back inside the top 100 during that stretch. But then for whatever reason, the second time that Paul George kind of semi-shut it down, Reggie didn't get any assists. They just didn't happen. I don't fully know why. I don't watch every second of Clippers basketball. I know they were kind of doing hot hand stuff, but Reggie tended to be on the court, just not really orchestrating. Or, I guess, guys maybe missing a lot of shots, but you'd think that that would level off at some point. Well, guys are finally hitting shots. He's finally making passes, whatever it happens to be right now. The assists are up, and so he's in for me. Reggie Jackson, I'm good with. Add him to Zubats, basically, as the only two Clippers I'm trusting right now. And with Norman Powell out long-term, Terrence Mann is getting a long look. 25 points, 7 boards, 6 assists, a steal, a block, and a 3-pointer in... He's had a couple of good ball games in a row now. I remain pretty damn skeptical, which I know is sort of the, the Dan Vespers way of living in general, fantasy or otherwise. I just, I feel like we've seen these little Terrence Mann bursts before, and then they tend to go away after not that long. If you'd like to ride the wave, have at it. But, just bear in mind that over his last four ball games, 10, 10, 15, and 17 shots, and I know some of that is the Norm Powell abs- absence, but this is a guy who on the course of the season in 29 minutes a game was only taking about eight shots per game prior to this recent hot run. Shoots the ball relatively well. He's been hovering just below 50%, so the fact that he's a little above 50% in his last four games, I don't want to put too much stock into that. He's not a good foul shooter, this year. He's fine in his career, but he's under 74% on this season. The steals and blocks are actually not that high. I think there's a misconception that he's a big steals and blocks dude. He's not. And the assists are very high right now, but those actually will probably drop back down into the three range also. So what is it exactly that he's doing right now that we believe is sustainable? Is it the scoring? Because I don't think so. Is it the steals? Because he got six in four games. 
Actually, he's got eight in five games, so even better. Uh, that doesn't isn't a thing over his somewhat brief career that appears to be sticky. The assists are high. That doesn't seem all that sticky. The rebounds, maybe you could argue, is the most sustainable of the things happening right now. I just I don't see this massive upside with Terrence Mann that other folks are, are trying to yell at me. And believe me, I'm looking. I'm not trying to rule him out. Like, he might go on a little heater right now. But at the moment, he's taking a ton of shots, which seems somewhat unusual. We know the Clippers are prone to going into kind of a hot hand type of thing. I, you know, I don't see the markers looking over the course of the season, like, to this t- level of assists. That's not a sticky thing. So I I don't know. It feels like there's a pretty hefty mean reversion coming here in a number of categories. And if this is just him, like, four games ago, figuring out the NBA, fine. I could end up being wrong about that. But that just doesn't seem to happen all that often. Where a guy's just like, oh, mid-February. Okay, now I got it. In his third year. He had a good run in the playoffs. These things all come to an end. So ride it if you want. You know, there's there's no there's no negative stigma attached to riding a hot basketball player. That's a perfectly reasonable excuse to stream somebody. Just know that if folks are telling you this is a rest of season thing, they might not be looking far enough back to see how many times we've had these little bursts and then how they tend to run out of gas a little bit. So uh, ride the hot hand, stream away if you like. I do think that Zubots and Reggie Jackson are probably the ones that you can trust a little bit longer right now. And I know Reggie has his own fantasy issues, but if he's actually getting assists, which do feel a little bit more sustainable as the primary ball handler, then he could stay within it. And he might fall off a cliff too, by the way. Throw that out there. Any one of these guys could fall off a, a fantasy cliff with probably the exception of Ivica Zubots. Just big man stats, starting caliber big man stats... Not terrific, but the floor isn't going to come out from under him the way it has or could from a number of his teammates. And new stuff from Manscaped.com. I promised I would tell you guys about it. It's the Ultra Premium Collection. Brand new over at Manscaped. Introducing the Ultra Premium Collection. This is for... Yep, Manscaped is finally doing it. This is for... Non-private parts, deodorant, shampoo and conditioner, body wash, body spray, and lip balm. Traditional, traditional hygiene products. Yes, actual armpit deodorant, not some funky undercarriage deodorant. Body wash, shampoo, conditioner, this is shower stuff. A body spray, that's a lotion, keep you hydrated. And chapstick, effectively. I know they can't call it that. Lip balm. Check it out. Whole month of March, actually, is when this stuff is coming. Uh, It's running next month, so get yourself ready to go. In the meantime, if you want to check out everything else going on at Manscaped, I would certainly recommend you do so. Go to manscaped.com. Use promo code ETHOS20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your order. Tomorrow, I will annoy you relentlessly about rating and reviewing the podcast because I haven't done that in a while. Today, I will not. I will let you go. Have a wonderful Tuesday, everybody. I'm Dan Bespris. Please do follow me on Twitter at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, at Dan Bespris. You can just Google search Dan from Hoopball or Dan from Sports Ethos. Either one of those will work. 
Twitter feed will pop up. We do a lot of stuff over on social, including uh, end-of-night recaps and things of that nature. And I hope to talk to you over there. Sportsethos.com, at EthosFantasyBK. Have a great night.